Hello, welcome along to Gary Talks. I'm your host, Gary Kelly, and this week on the show, I'm joined by Marika Burke-Kyo, who is the technical marketing lead at American company Sentry Petal, who have set up their sales and marketing team here in Galway City. But Marika has been involved in marketing for years. She knows everything, in my opinion, that there is to know about marketing. She was in the top 100 CMO business and finance list for 2020 and 2021. She has worked at Google. She has worked at the ad agency Atomic. She was a founder of OMIG, our online marketing in Galway, which was a monthly digital marketing focus networking forum set up for professionals, businesses and academics in Galway, where they got various experts in their fields, spotlighted them. And basically, as it was the start of digital marketing in the West back in around 2011, this was a huge asset for people in business. But in the podcast today, Marika talks about what is happening in the tech world at the moment as thousands of people are being laid off throughout various sectors, the future of technology and the solutions we can expect to see. She talks about Google AdWords and how to optimize your campaigns, the best platforms you can use today for promoting your business, the benefits of account-based marketing, She talks about knowing the role that best fulfills you and how important that is. Her excitement about Sentry Paddle, which is a cybersecurity company. We also unintentionally end up talking about podcasting services that we here at GK Media provide for businesses out there. But finally, she also talks about the importance of consistency in marketing. As I say, this is another masterclass in marketing. Sit back, relax and enjoy. This is a GK Media Podcast. Marika Burkio, Senior Director of Technical Marketing at Century Petal. Thank you for joining us on Gary Talks. No problem. Delighted to be here. I wanted to, to get you on Gary Talks for quite a while because we cover people who are leaders in business and people who are leaders in their field. And you are a leader in the field of marketing. I mean, it's a fact. You're recognised as one of the top marketing professionals in Ireland. That's what's good about Ireland. You can get those lists with who you know and, you know. (laughs) But let's bring it all back because I knew of you. I think this is the first time we've met. I think it is in person, yeah. Yeah, but I've known about you. I knew about you, yeah. But I knew about you as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've known about you for years. Always like that. (laughs) But because of OMIG marketing. Yeah. Which, I mean, it was a huge benefit for me when I started out in G Comedia in 2013 because it was this voice of wisdom and experience that was there for people in Galway in how to be effective when it comes to marketing. Because like I studied film in college, so I, 20 odd years ago, that's what I came out with, a degree in how to make a a movie. Yeah. Marketing hadn't really entered into it. Yeah. And then, you know, 10 years later, I set up GK Media, knew how to make a movie, knew how to podcast, had done some marketing in radio, you know, digital marketing was really, 2010 onwards, was really growing fast. That's it, yeah. I suppose the main reason I I might be known around Galway is from OMIG, and it's definitely helped me loads, without a shadow of a doubt. But it all came to when I was in Dublin. I was working in Google just before I moved back down to Galway and used to having loads of people around me. And just before that, I was in an, an ad agency called Atomic. They're amazing. They're doing amazing stuff now. And yeah, I, 
I didn't have that network around me. I did my master's in Dublin too. And I had that network around me in Dublin where, you know, you're keeping on top of marketing and then digital was a passion of mine uh, for ages. Even at that stage in 2009, there was no digital marketing modules in any of the universities, any of the ITs. And I was in Smurfit and the, the closest thing I got to it was an e-marketing certificate with the Marketing Institute of Ireland. And, you know, I started learning more there about SEO, PPC, all the different areas. And and did the lecturers know much about it at the time? We had someone who was over from England. I forget his name. Um, I think his name's Paul Smith. I can check that later. But um, in fairness, he was quite good and they got him over from England. So, yeah, he taught me, you know, a lot more about SEO stuff I never knew before. And you definitely weren't taught in college. And I always kind of had a love for the internet and then I had love for marketing. Naturally, when I did my BCom in NUIG, marketing was the one that came most naturally to me. And I suppose when we had a module called e-marketing there as well, and that was it. And that was very basic. So yeah, I suppose I was used to having that network around me in Dublin. And when I moved back to Galway, I started in a, a startup that was called Enerit. They were energy management software. And I was kind of leading the marketing strategy there. And the main part of it was demand gen, online um, digital demand gen. And we sold our product, a SaaS-based model. You could just buy it directly from the website. And I noticed I didn't have that network that I had around me in Google to discuss tricks and tips for PPC, social media. So that, that's how Oh My G kind of came about, just meeting like-minded people in Galway. Because it was you and uh, was it two other people who set up Oh My G? Well, a lot of people got involved as- afterwards. So there was like Rob and Eve, a lot of people. There was Gary, Ashling. We had about 10 volunteers that would kind of help on a weekly basis or monthly basis when we had the monthly events. And then when we start doing the summit and the awards, we kind of got volunteers that may just join us for the larger events. I knew Galway had a demand for it because you had small business owners that were kind of realizing, oh, you can market yourself on Facebook now, you can market yourself with Google AdWords, you know, even a website. And they they just wanted to know how to do that. And and it started off very basic and kind of telling them what we know. And then we started every month inviting a specialist. So they could be down from Facebook, from Twitter, from Google. We then get from people who are in marketing departments and senior roles from like anything from the IDA to a lot of agencies came down as well from Dublin. Towards the end, we also had kind of one speaker that was quite big and then one kind of smaller company and we got a lot of Galway companies in as well so yeah it was it was brilliant when we moved in here to GK Media Studios in January of this year 2022 and I was going through all the paperwork and boxes and stuff that we brought from the city centre where we were for a number of years since we started in 2013 and I actually came across notes I had taken from one of the the OMIG so I must have met you at some stage (laughs) Well, I would have been in the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, writing, writing, loads of notes, (laughs) loads of notes. As a matter, I had wads of of paper from those. But yeah, they were they were absolutely brilliant. But I learned stuff myself. Like it and that was the benefit to me. It wasn't just 
everyone else learning and even other skills you got there like even when you're doing events you learn so many skills and kind of just managing things on the spot so it gave me kind of softer skills as well that were important to my career but also the specialist information you get yeah it was second to none so hopefully we'll do something like that again brilliant yeah, yeah excellent yeah. excellent i'll hold you to that <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, because it was interesting when I came out of college initially, I was saying to you there just before we started recording that, you know, to buy a digital camera at the time, you're a good digital camera, you're looking at 95 grand and 30 grand for an editing suite. And no one wanted to get really a corporate video done unless it was a big, big company because it was costing yeah. thousands and thousands, which 20 years ago, companies didn't have that to dispose of or, yeah. or, or see the return on it. Whereas when I set up GK Media, that was the rise really of digital marketing and the equipment was cheaper and people wanted videos because they could put them on Facebook and so on. But even in 2013, like I know you said it was 2011, was it you got into? Officially oh. started, yeah, that's when I moved to Galway, 2011. So that's when Oh My G started. And in 2013, when GK Media that's started. When things were kind of coming to life. But we were showing people how to actually set up Facebook pages. Yeah. yeah I mean, like that's how basic everyone was. That, and that, that's exactly it. And um, I think that's why it became so popular is because we had a lot of small business owners um, who weren't marketeers themselves or not used of any social media. And it, it wasn't accessible to them. And what we did is we made it more accessible to them. And they kind of realized it wasn't this horrible, big, kind of gigantic thing to figure out. Like you said, kind of equipment, everything had come down on price. And... I'm coming from a family who, you know, would have SMEs. I'm acutely aware of saving money and knowing that, you know, especially when you're starting out or if you're a small shop or whatever it may be, you, you may not have the funds to hire someone to do your marketing or your, your digital marketing. So, yeah, it was just making it accessible to everyone. So we had that side of it and then the side where you're more specialist, where people like me could, generally it could work for two types of people. Who would be? Like ourselves, people who know a bit about marketing already, but we want to kind of know at a more finer level like SEO or search engine marketing, whatever it may be. So generally that's why we had kind of one small business speaker and then someone from one of the big companies explaining how to approach Facebook advertising Google AdWords, et cetera. Because I think if we're open and honest about it, when it comes to marketing and even digital marketing, there isn't really one person who can in-depth cover all areas, can they? No. Like, I think you see that as a company grows and scales. My job, I, from going into startups, into more established companies, you can see how how different your role can be. And when you're in a larger company, your role tends to be more a specialist. And when you're in a, a smaller company, you're kind of broader, taking care of everything, but you don't get to the level, ideally, that you want. So, yeah, I think having a chance of kind of having these networks and learning something from maybe the more technical side or the softer side of the skills you can get from marketing, I think that really helps. And in every case, whether I've been in a small startup or a large multinational, there's something to learn at all these type of events. What did you learn from working in Google? <laughs> AdWords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that was their cash 
cow when I was there. That was like their main product. And obviously they have more products now. They have Google Enterprise, they have a lot more. But my role there was display optimization specialist. So I kind of worked more on the display side of Google AdWords, which was a little different from the normal job that you had in there. So is that like the interface? You know, when you're on like the Irish Times or any kind of, it's now called a display network. It was called the content display network at the time where there's ads coming up. Yeah, yeah those there could be any third party site that they have an agreement with. So if that's like Farmer Journal and your ads were related to farmers, mm. you'd kind of have them ideally come up in places like that. So that's the side. I worked in the entertainment vertical and I also worked for a little while in healthcare and auto, but mainly entertainment, which included gambling and adults. And I was on those two kind of mini verticals. Okay. Yeah, and gambling was more restrictive because of the regulations. So it was good to be in an area like that because you got to learn about the limitations in Google. And what was adult? What do you think? <laughs> also adult sites. Adult, yeah, porn, yeah. And wh- why would Google be? That's like just making sure basically that ads don't turn up there. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but there is ads that target that. But I was mainly gambling. So AdWords was the thing you learned in Google. In Google. So what was your big takeaway point from working in an organization like Google? Um, I, I suppose the biggest thing I realized is it wasn't 100% me because the roles are very specialist and very repetitive. And, and what they want is everyone in their specific role and you do it very well and to repeat, repeat, repeat. And that suits some people completely. And there's a lot of people I worked with that are still there. So I started in 2009. So, you know, that suits some people. I just realized I'm not that good at repet. It just my focus doesn't stay mm. for that long. So we were dealing with tier one and tier two clients. They're top tier clients. And it would be just ways of how we deal with them on the phone and encourage them to spend more or try out different campaigns. And those were brilliant skills because I think they're skills you need everywhere. And if you're working in an agency, being able to cross sell or upsell, it should be kind of inbuilt to your job almost. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Is there any tips you would give people with regards to making the most on Google AdWords? Yeah, I think make a really obvious one. Your data is king. You know, it's about optimization. And when you're optimizing your campaigns, make sure you've collected enough data to optimize them well. You don't just turn on a campaign and after three days start optimizing it. It's important to let it run for a while, gather that data and kind of have a look at the campaigns, the AdWords, the keywords, etc., that are working. Should you be adding negative keywords? Really f- focus. Use that opportunity to refine and focus. And optimization is just key to everything when it comes to any PPC, Facebook as well. I think it's having the patience at the start to leave it running for a month. If there is a case where you have something that's just draining money and pure bad quality and like that example, if you're turning up on a porn site and you're not meant to be, yeah, obviously exclude that. Exclude those sites if they're placements or exclude the keywords, but you need to collect the data and it's just about optimization. 
and refinement. But would you need to be spending then a couple of hundred euro a day to kind of get your ideally, ad out there? Yeah. Ideally, yeah. So I've been in places since smaller companies and we've had very, very small budgets. And I found, especially when you kind of move back to Galway and you're dealing with smaller companies, you know, there's smaller budgets and deep down you just know it's not going to make a difference because it doesn't even get the chance to go as far as it should. And I think then you kind of have to make an educated decision with the client. Should we go down this route or another route? And I would warn them, unless you're kind of spending a decent amount, it'll be very hard to get them refined and to optimize them so they perform the best. Yeah, so you need to put in a good bit of money at the start, really. Yeah, you do, yeah. So for a small business out there, knowing about Google AdWords and being very familiar with all the big major social media platforms out there, what do you think is the best, generically speaking, what is the best platform for people to use today to get their message out there? It really does depend, but B2B, LinkedIn, it's very expensive though. And Facebook, but then you have a a certain market that's on Facebook. If your target market is 20 under, it's not Facebook. (laughs) So it, it really does depend. And I would always kind of work on doing your best to keep on gathering and getting people to opt into your email list at all times. Because people people kind of think, oh, email, it's old fashioned, they don't check it, spam, etc. It's still in every, almost every case still generally has the highest return on investments. Mm. So email can kind of work very well. But yeah, in terms of the best one value wise, LinkedIn is pretty expensive, but they have really good B2B solutions if you're kind of willing to spend a bit more. What I like about LinkedIn, though, is that you don't get with the other channels, especially for B2B, is you can target people in a specific sector or even in an actual company. So you might say, oh, Oh, I, I would love to do stuff for, we say, Boston Scientific. And you can literally have ads hitting people in Boston Scientific and what role they have. So the person in marketing, communications. Yeah, so LinkedIn is brilliant for account-based marketing. So just exactly what you said there. So I know in my new role, targeting enterprise is really important. We have enterprise generally, you kind of are aware of the company and you can really refine your message to them and target them. And that's all account-based marketing. And it's a proven technique for anyone that's kind of targeting enterprise-sized companies because obviously the return on investment from them, you're generally, if you're selling a B2B solution to an enterprise, there's some tailored service as part of that, even if it's a software product. So generally, it's not your average kind of SaaS-based process where they're just buying directly software off your website. It's usually tailored. And account-based marketing works really well for that. And LinkedIn is a great tool for that. And there's a lot of other tools like Terminus that kind of fits in really well to that as well. So it's a big area that's kind of really grown in the last two years. Yeah, and I believe LinkedIn has the best organic reach as well compared to the other ones. Yeah, it does. And one thing as well about LinkedIn, if there's something new that they have, you know, even there, it's not it's not that big anymore, but it was called LinkedIn Pulse. It's basically where you can put your own blog posts up or I don't even think it's called Pulse anymore. But when that first came out, they really, that definitely organically ranked higher than other things. So using their new products generally is always a good way to get it a bit cheaper. 
Yeah, like, and that happens with Facebook, Twitter, all of them. Twitter, Twitter right now, with all, everything Elon Musk is doing, it could be seen as a place to kind of get cheaper ads right now because a lot of advertisers have come off it. It's also now viewed as kind of more of a dangerous place to be associating a company with it because you just don't know what's going to happen. So, yeah, it's an interesting time. Yeah, they've lost 50 of their top 100 advertisers. Is it 50? 50, I didn't know it was 50. Wow. In in the last couple of weeks. And you could see there, even before Elon Musk took over, they tried fleets as a way of uh, bringing in stories. (laughs) Yeah. That didn't work. Uh, Twitter Live wasn't really a great thing that took off like they tried to do a Periscope. They haven't had a successful business model really. But then the last day there was a website that I was on and it wasn't loading properly. The first thing I did was go onto Twitter to find that company's account to see was there a problem. And sure enough, no, they said, yeah. Twitter is the first place you <laughs> do. Yeah. yeah. And even if, if, if Facebook's down or WhatsApp's down, I go onto Twitter yeah. to check it out. Oh, no, it is. In terms of real time mm. marketing or real time announcements, Twitter is the place. But they're kind of saying now with the way things are in Twitter at the moment, all these teams and specialist teams are, are just not there. Eventually, something will break and will he have the teams there to fix it? I don't know. So it's interesting. It's a really expensive investment he made for a company that's losing millions every week. 44 billion. Yeah, and I think he even admitted that he overpaid for it didn't he he's kind of acknowledged that yeah but was the whole thing of i'm going to buy twitter so the shares went up and then i'm not going to buy twitter oh, oh no he I has a to. knack at doing that yeah, yeah. of uh, putting shares up and down he did the same with bitcoin didn't he and yeah, you know yeah. so he's known for manipulating things but if he has some kind of really strategic thing in mind it's not obvious anyway uh, it's just interesting to see the way it goes I can understand why he cut so many staff. It's just the approach he did to it. And it seems like he let staff go that are actually important. And then I would imagine there's kind of a bad feeling there with the way it was done. And now I know he's like that as a boss anyway, you know, from what I read about Tesla and other places, CEO off. It's just interesting because tech companies for the last couple of years, last decade plus, are all about the culture and the mm, benefits. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so it's interesting. And will that happen they in other companies? They were always the cool, trendy places to work. Yeah. <laughs> will, and, and will this happen now in more places? You know, will they kind of say, like, tech have had it too good now? Well, first, I can believe that there's bosses like that out there in today's world where that sort of aggressiveness is accepted and tolerated. But there's been massive cuts in Twitter now in Facebook as well with Everywhere. Meta. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft have laid off people. Like I have lists here. I, I even yeah. Cisco. There's companies, smaller companies around that have laid people off. We just haven't heard about it as much as well. And like if you go on and actually look, it's crazy the amount. But we've heard about the larger ones and yeah, there's thousands gone. So what's going on? I think everyone went a bit crazy during COVID and the pandemic. And obviously tech was played a huge role there for companies like Zoom. You know, Mm. they just their the value of that company just shot up and Facebook, Meta, all those products were really heavily used. Shopify. I mean, our world revolved around the Internet. Then we're in kind of one place and 
all these companies hired really huge amount of hiring done during that time and the predictive growth I think that it just wasn't sustainable I think and and they kind of realized when the pandemic I know it's not officially over or whatever but I think they realize you know things are almost going back to what they were so they thought that would be our new normal just being online all the time yeah I think there's an element of that and then obviously we've had the economic inflation war and um, between a mixture of other things going on I think companies have had to tighten up because of that and I think that's making a huge difference too so I I, I think there was probably a lot of overhiring during the pandemic and then it's just been the perfect storm of inflation war pandemic over that's what they're seen, using as excuses anyway so for the last number of years we've been told that tech and pharma are the future. Now, certainly pharma scaled drastically during COVID. Is tech still the future? Or? I still believe it is. And I just think there was just far too much. I am a little bit biased because that's kind of a sector I, I see myself in long term, more so the B2B side. I think things will need to improve further in the services that we have, uh, you know, online and the innovation will have to cater to the world not just you being in your own living room and your own sitting room will have to cater to the world that we have always had and going into work and, and different things like that and I think there's so many more things coming out that will benefit us as well I'm not too sure about things like um, the metaverse or whatever mm. you know that I'm not too sure about because that seems to be bringing us towards the world more of being hermits, I think. Yeah, it does. And maybe that suited the whole COVID era as well. But like Facebook, they had huge, I think it was 11,000 layoffs that they had. And I believe Mark Zuckerberg, he he heavily bet on the metaverse, basically. And COVID wasn't ideal. The pandemic was ideal for that. I'm just not too sure it's going to be as big of a thing that he thinks. Microsoft are huge into the metaverse as well, but then there, you have other companies like Google who don't seem to be betting as much on it or Elon Musk. or So, yeah, it's just interesting to see the difference between companies that we look to as leaders, you know. Uh, so, yeah, not too sure what direction it will go in, but I think there's a lot more to come from tech companies, but what they kind of bet on, and what they were growing on during the pandemic is not going to go as planned, I believe. Yeah, and that's why there's had to be a lot of changes made. And what way do you think tech is going to go then in the future? I think there'll be more solutions. So I'm going to the cinema tonight, for example. And the one thing that annoys me, you know, you go to Tesco's these days, you go to the banks and even the cinema in Salt Hill. You can't just go up to the counter and order your food. You have to press it on the machine and pay for it. And I was like, this is madness. And I'm all about technology. I love technology. But I was like, this, you know, she, there was no one else at the desk. She could have easily got it. But she said, we technically can't even do that. So I had to order it from a thing behind. And I think there's going to be better solutions. So like already in America, they have the whole food stores, Amazon stores, where you just go in, you put your stuff into the basket and, and charges you you know you don't even need to scan stuff oh wow and I there's a shop in our, it's not Amazon actually starting it I don't I think it's in Dublin that are actually starting that 
now. And I think there's just going to be better solutions that tie into online and real life and virtual things. Because it's about, it's about convenience for the customer. Yeah. Ultimately, like how things are now with the bank, I actually go into the, if I have to physically go to the bank, I hate it because they, they don't want to see you there anymore. And again, as I said, I love technology, but there's things I've had to do recently you can't do on online banking, you can't do on the phone in the bank, you can't do on one of their machines. And it takes ages to get to a person. So those type of things, the integration between technology and in-person needs to get better. And I think that's a big area that will grow. So yeah, virtual reality it's a step before that even, I think. Yeah, because even basic things, like I was out in Uchtarard last weekend and I wanted to get money out of the ATM yeah. and I was like, oh, the Bank of Ireland is gone. I didn't know. Yeah. So I went into O'Sullivan's. I didn't know, do you know, O'Sullivan's shop. Yeah, they yeah. do the best cinnamon rolls. And yeah, I said, they have good quality stuff there. Beautiful. So I said, is the Bank of Ireland gone now from Uchtarard? And they said, oh yeah, it's gone about a year ago. And we only got an ATM in to the village last week. And I've seen that because I follow Facebook and it, it's in Kills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are they in relation to you? Yeah, okay. yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't yeah. Know that. All right. And um, automatically though, because I have a lot of family from out there uh, on both sides of the family and yeah, it's great. They're so happy they have an ATM out there because the Bank of Ireland one went. I mean, they, I think they even found it hard to get cash back when they're in the stores there as well. But Where is the advancement there or the convenience for customers there? The thing about that is they're already given out that it's not from a bank. You know, it's not a Bank of Ireland one or an AIB one. It's a Euronet one yeah. and they're talking about the charges and all that. But if you go to most small towns now that may have had one in the past from Bank of Ireland or AIB, they're gone. They used to actually have in rural areas... The machine, we had one years ago in Peacocks and the banks would supply them and the charge was just normal, uh, even free. I don't actually know. But now they're only putting those Euronet ones as well, which people aren't happy with because there's a charge, I believe. So Let's go back to the different careers you've had then down through the years. So you came back to Galway, you set up Oh My G Marketing and you also started working with Alto Cloud. Yes. Tell me about Alto Cloud. Yeah, Alto Cloud was brilliant because it was a startup. And for a marketing person, you kind of got to work on a bit of everything. And I was the only marketing person there for the majority of the time. And if we were doing any more in marketing, it would have been outsourced to an agency like yourself. But it was very much a lean machine. You know, it was a startup. You didn't have the luxury of all these resources that we had when we were bought out by Genesis. And I love that, just having that scope of kind of needing to do a bit of everything, kind mm. of it mainly digital marketing, because that's how we kind of educated our, our target market, targeting them to trial our software online, demos, creating videos. Very much the customer journey was all online for this particular product. And I think that's what, you know, people who really enjoy marketing, that's what drives them is, uh, that's what didn't drive you in Google was it's the constant change, the variety that we yeah. love as opposed to just doing the same thing all and the time. And that's it. And that's why I say to people about my roles in like Google and Genesis, that were, were both the largest companies I worked in. And then I had the smaller companies and the agencies. I think it's really important that you kind of, at some stage, you do both because it's good to be aware of that. And like that too, 
both work on the company side and the client side as well. And I've done that. So if I'm dealing with an agency now, I know how to kind of get the best from them. I think getting that experience is really important. Some people will prefer maybe that kind of niche area and repeating that and just doing it really well every day. It just, it wasn't me. I'm kind of happy when I'm somewhere in between that. So. And you went from one person in marketing, in Alta Cloud, to how yeah. many in Genesis? To a team of 300 marketing people. It was crazy. Yeah, so <laughs> so the product marketing team alone when I was there was 110. And then there, I think there was about 30 in digital. Because even in Google, my role in Google wasn't marketing as such. It was more kind of sales or AdWords. Yeah, it was just having a team of three. It was just bizarre to me it was just very even you know it was very specialized because you're going from that environment where probably everyone knows each other in a company yeah to just a monstrosity of an organization yeah now i will say the marketing they did have about two years before i joined genesis they merged with a company called interactive intelligence and there were very different cultures from my understanding, but they merged together quite well. And they did kind of get to know the teams. But yeah, it was a completely different ball game. But there was uh, there was more products to manage there as well. It was like five times what we had in Alto Cloud. And at that scale, it made sense why they had that amount of people and just very specialist roles. And that was different. Yeah, but it was also quite important and it was the main time I kind of got spent time in product marketing which is an area my career is mainly been digital marketing and that's where my passion is but it's very important to kind of understand all sides mm-hmm. and product is once you've been in a role like that for two years like I was it kind of gives you a greater depth of understanding of what's needed it also helps me now how I work with product marketing. I'm a better kind of marketeer because of it. You prefer digital marketing. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. So talk to me then about this new company that the IDA managed to get them to choose Galway as their headquarters for sales and marketing, Sentry Petal. Yeah. So Sentry Petal, um, really excited. It's actually my first day. So today's your first day. Yeah. (laughs) Congrats. I'm not going to have a polished pitch. We just have to tell the boss you're here outside of working hours. It's yeah, it's now quarter past seven on a on a Thursday evening. But he fully supports things like this is very important to him. I'm really pleased to say because this is a podcast in Galway Mm -hmm. that we are building a sales and marketing team. It's under the CMO, Dave Silk. And for me, that's amazing. Working with a CMO in an Irish office is, for me, is kind of unknown. And in Galway, is generally unknown. Dave has like an absolutely brilliant background. Like I would definitely recommend if you're kind of in the area of marketing or sales to check us out, especially 2023. Galway is set to be the head office for sales and marketing, which is brilliant. It's a fantastic product. I'm learning more about it. So cybersecurity is the bulk of it. We basically take 
information and collect that from a number of different cybersecurity companies. And we bring it all together. And essentially, like most cybersecurity products that uh, are out there now, you may be able to get kind of 5% of the spam or 10%. But this, we're collecting it from everyone and it's a patented tool. It's a piece of hardware, but that's been made into a cloud-based product. And there isn't a sort of cloud-based cybersecurity thing out there? Not to this level. There isn't anything um, to this level of information. Was it a good first day? Yeah, it was really good. It's at that exciting stage where the company technically isn't a startup. They've been around for nine years, but the product that will be the main product that we're working on is literally coming together now. And it's been in R&D before this. So essentially, we are a startup. However, a startup that has money. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah, and yeah. cybersecurity is a huge thing now, especially with GDPR and as we move forward and rely more online. And a big password management system, LastPass, which would encrypt and protect people's passwords where they're on various sites and signing up to various subscriptions, like that got hacked there or part of the server got hacked there yesterday. Ironic, it's happened to LastPass. Yeah, absolutely. As we come towards the end, Marika, I still find with some companies out there, they don't get or they don't realise the importance or the benefits of digital marketing. What sort of misconceptions do you think are out there that people aren't getting? I think what people need to realise now, and it's kind of almost gotten to a stage where it's marketing, you know, should we even need to say digital anymore? It's interesting. That's a good debate there in itself. And if digital is not a part of it, like that's kind of crazy. You need, in my view, and I... I may come across very biased, but you need a a footprint, you need a trace and everything people look at these days, how much, just think of your own mannerisms, even if you're going to a restaurant tomorrow or something, you may even look up the menu beforehand. So even basic B2C business to consumer things, a shop, I think people realise that during covid Mm. I know my local shop, they opened up a website really quickly and he was selling meat on it and everything. I think businesses need to realise you don't need to be a huge business to do digital marketing. Digital marketing is just marketing now and having a presence online is is just the norm. Like it's almost a basic thing, like having your phone number in the yellow pages years ago. Yeah. You know, if if you're not there, you're going to miss out. Because I've even gone on to, you know, I might be deciding to go for dinner somewhere and I go on to a Facebook page of a restaurant and then I'll see they haven't posted something in six months and straight away I think, oh, maybe they're maybe they're gone under. And maybe, that's you know. it, yeah. And, and that I do the same. And I think people, you just think of your own behaviours these days. And like my mother or, or father wouldn't be crazy about technology like I am. Mm. They know to Google things. They know to kind of check things out. And that's the first thing, you know, you do. So I just think it's something you can't ignore, no matter how small or big you are. Having an online presence is important at a low enough cost. And I I believe you do WordPress sites and everything. We do WordPress and Squarespace. But the thing we're moving more into now is Webflow. Uh, Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, because it's... um, it just saves so much hassles with plugins. I mean, the pl- the plugins we were just on Webflow are so plugins. much better. Yeah, and yeah. it's faster for 
the user browsing the website and it's easier for the person who owns the website. And WordPress plugins are can be a nightmare. Yeah. I was just talking about that before I left with uh, our solutions engineer who was mainly a software engineer before that and he, he hates WordPress and you know all the plugins like Slider, Revolution and... And then you're trying to update them but sometimes update them in a certain order so it doesn't crash the website. Yeah. And like it, it was great when that really was what existed because WordPress kind of had a lot of customized plugins that you couldn't get on other yeah. hosting platforms uh, or web design platforms. But this is where things get messy is the plugins mm. and the more and more features that come on it, I find it, you you have problems then with your page load time and and the minute it, like he was kind of talking about WordPress, he was like, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, you know, no way. But unfortunately, that is if in most cases, um, the person managing a website in the company is the marketing person and they're not going to code a website from scratch and you need a solution that scales and WordPress allows for that. So does Webflow. It's brilliant. As I said, companies like yourself can get people set up on that, but the management after that isn't huge, you know, especially blogs. Like they should be just something companies can add because it's, it's like I'm trying to teach people I know who aren't in the area of marketing the importance of kind of content and and do you think blogs is it's still important I, I definitely think there is like now that I'm here and I, I see you're doing podcasts and I see you do videos that dynamic content obviously has another level and when I was in Google they used to all say and it's still the case YouTube is still the second biggest search engine in the world yeah. so don't neglect that now obviously you don't not everyone uses YouTube as a, a search engine or as a, a video tool because the user experience isn't as slick as mm. maybe Vimeo or other video um, managers, but it is a search engine. So keep that in mind. And I suppose the dynamic content like the podcasts are, are very important, but I still believe there's a huge role and for blogs and content because no matter where I've been, whether it's B2C or B2B, and I'm mainly B2B, the main place uh, that we've gotten rankings and we've kind of built a credible history over time is from blogs. But then this type of dynamic content kind of brings it to a complete another level as well. So, yeah. Yeah. And for us, I mean, I find you have to reach your audience on a number of you different do. platforms. There isn't just, I mean, years ago, I even thought it was just Facebook. and that's a Consuming a podcast is more enjoyable than reading a blog as well. Mm. So you can still have your topics that you do each week. But I do believe, and I see you guys do it, that you have your social media content, your podcasts, your videos and have your blog and, and keep it to that subject or topic that you chose that week or whatever it is. But it's a 360 degree kind of process and have your website in the center of that. And that's how you build up credibility for your website. That's how you kind of see your rankings get better. And and when people are kind of getting content like that, that they can consume easy, like the podcast, you probably more than likely get more people sharing and that's like links back as well. And there's different types of signals from social media. But if you could also get a list on a credible website as well. So, And, and not to put myself on a pedestal or anything like that, but the reason I started this type of podcast was I love talking to people. I love hearing about people's success. And if anyone gets anything that helps them from just 
me sitting down having a chat with someone like yourself, that's a win. And I think it's important that what you're doing, you love. You're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, so true. Yeah. And to be honest, podcasting. Now, I know the Portershed have a studio now, Mm. I believe. But overall, now, and forgive me if I'm wrong about this, but I haven't heard of too many podcast studios in Galway. No, I'm not trying to turn Gary Talks here into our own uh, marketing yeah. platform. But I think what makes us good at podcasting is I've had experience in national and local radio for yeah. over 10 years. So I'm bringing that experience to the table. Like our studio, our podcast studio here in GK Media Studios was actually fitted and designed by a head of engineering in a radio station. Wow. And it's all the proper kit and gear and layout. Uh, The window here is that it's acoustic glass and it's at an actual angle. I think it's a 15 degree angle, uh, which improves the sound. And all these fittings up here was done by a carpenter to change the way the sound waves work and so on. So, But all that thing, that matters, like, mm, you know, doesn't it? yeah, Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing as well with podcasts. I have known for ages, I I think we'd be silly, most of us in marketing, if we didn't realise how big podcasts are. But sometimes it's not approachable. You know, it's like for someone like me in a company, we weren't doing it already. In previous roles I've been in and kind of starting it up was like, okay, I need to learn this, that. And knowing that there is people like yourself, I think that's that's really good because that would be one of my things right now. I was like, oh, we're not immediately ready for that. But it is a really important area. Yeah. And we're working with, uh, we want to tender for a national organization here who I won't name at the moment because the podcast haven't gone out yet. But like we're training up key members of their team in how to conduct an interview and do a podcast. Oh, very good. Yeah. And hopefully that'll be launched then next year so we're hoping to record the first few episodes before so Christmas. So you can train people to kind of Yeah. And would you kind of help them set up a studio themselves or would they come here? Well the option is they can come here or we can go to them and set up a studio there that's permanent or we can kind of create a mobile podcasting studio as well. So there's some podcasters out there where we actually went in and we set them up, got all the gear, set them up and they're flying it and After that, we kind of walk away and let them do their own thing. Others want us to remain and be editing for them or giving them critiques and so on. So it's kind of whatever floats people's boat. It's good to have that service and option around as well, because as I said, like videos and podcasts are something, you know, where they're a bit more production can add a lot of value and if I was doing it myself, like I know I wouldn't know the sound things. I know you should have sound, but I wouldn't do it the right way. So, you know, it is important to kind of get that right. And, yeah. yeah, It's fun. And I, I glued up those things myself. I'm very proud. Wow. Yeah, no, Because <laughs> I'm not good at DIY at all. I was going to get stuff like that for the office in, I have at home because I did do a lot of calls and some of them did turn into video presentations or whatever, but I didn't get that far. <laughs> <laughs> I have a sure microphone though. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you can always come in here if you need to do <laughs> yeah. Zoom calls to your, your, your colleagues over in America. Yeah. Well, look, congratulations. You're very good coming into us on day one of your new job. No problem. Century Pedal. And thanks the for... The boss was happy to hear I was coming here as well. So, oh, yeah. oh, brilliant. Well, hopefully we might have the boss in when we start up season yeah. 
2023. Okay, one last question for I let you. I, I know you're you're packing up and you've to go to cinema and all that. But for a business out there who hasn't really gotten involved in the benefits of marketing, you know they're always hesitant or whatever. What advice would you give to someone approaching the process of a marketing campaign or pushing a product or service out there? I would tell them it's very important that they try kind of have some basic, whatever you want to call it. If I can get technical and say what marketing people call it, but some like a tone of voice to to understand what your company is and what you represent and your value proposition and really understand things like your unique selling points. And again, sorry for all the buzzards. Work on getting that messaging right at the start. And that's kind of, you know, where the product marketing came in when I'm in a larger company. But obviously, if you're in a smaller businesses, you're doing everything. So get your messaging right first, test it out. Even just an example there, I was talking to you about Centripetal. That elevator pitch is day one for me, you know, the elevator pitch or whatever you want to call it. Have a good idea of what that is. And that's something we're going to be working on from here on in and having those concise sentences to explain what you do. Then you have that right. Then it's about amplifying that message. Again, I believe digital is really important. So social media, website, maybe even some paid advertising things. Offline is important too, networking, Mm -hmm. but consistency as well. So I always get a bit worried when I see companies start and then they don't do anything for ages. And I'm guessing as an agency, you might see that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And from our side, if when I was on the agency side, I was aware, I was like, oh no, you know, they're not doing much now. It's all the value from everything we've put time into is kind of gone. So consistency and having a bit of a plan, it doesn't need to be anything like hugely sophisticated, but have a bit of a plan, campaigns, content, have a think. There'll be certain seasons, certain things work, you know, we're coming up to Christmas now. So B to C, there'll be certain obvious things to do. Keeping that in mind as well and consistency, kind of pushing the message out there. And if someone isn't understanding something as well, realizing, okay, we need to simplify this again, then we're we're not getting that across. So simplifying your messaging too, but just amplifying and consistency as well, because I think that's where small businesses fall down, I think. Absolutely. Marika, thanks so much for joining us in Gary Talks. No problem. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks again to Marika for coming into GK Media Studios and joining me this week on Gary Talks. And hopefully she got to enjoy the movie that she saw at the cinema that night. That's it from me for now. I'll be back again on Friday with another short bonus episode of Business Bites. And then next week we are joined by Sinead Cassidy, who is over sales and marketing at Galway Races. And that'll be our final episode then for 2022. And we are already lining up another great selection of contributors to join us on the show in 2023. As always, I please ask you to review the show if you can. Recommend the podcast to your friends or your colleagues. You can follow us on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn and TikTok. Thank you for listening. Talk to you soon. Mm